0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's gonna really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message. And really pray that it's a blessing to you today.
1: Well, hey, I hope this message this morning, this is my hope, is that it would deeply encourage you and be a big warm hug to your heart and soul um, and release you from something. But also, I hope at the exact same time, it really stirs you up, that it fires you up and shakes you up and that you leave here going, let's go. That's my hope. And so my message is called Audience of One audience of one. And I'm going to share the same scripture Pastor Amber shared on Friday and reference the same stories. It's pretty much the same message. Um, We were actually saying as a pastoral team, it's funny, the last few weeks, all the messages have kind of joined together. And just so everybody knows, we don't sit down and prep together. So it has to be God um, or we're reading the same books. I don't know. But I do think that God is speaking to our church at the moment and encouraging us in an area of our life. And so I hope this message encourages you as well. So if you have your Bibles, or if you don't, it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're also going to read Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, and it says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I want to speak about an audience of one an audience of one living for an audience of one living with the revelation that everything i do is for an audience of one when we get that revelation in our heart it affects where you look it affects where you receive your value from it it affects your behavior and it even affects the motives behind the behavior that it affects You know, in a race, um, Pastor Amber shared the story of her dad cheering her on, running alongside her as she swam the race, and she saw her dad cheering her on, and it spurred her on, and Amber was thinking, by the way, he was behaving, she was winning the whole thing, she ended up coming third, but her dad was so proud. You know, she kept her eye on her biggest cheerleader, her biggest supporter, her biggest encourager, and it gave her life, it gave her motivation, it gave her energy, As we're going through our life, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That scripture in Hebrews talks about running the race marked out for you. Don't get distracted by the other lanes, the other races, the people in the stands. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look up to the stands or the other people. Look at God. And I feel like God would say to us, don't look at them. Look at me. Look at me." It's about not seeking the approval or the applause of others, because you already have God's. And I feel like God would say to us, don't seek their applause, you have mine. Don't seek their approval, you have mine. Um, I, I uh, got drum lessons from grade 6 to grade 11 with the same lady, uh, Miss Lush, and she was an absolute legend. And I had a drum recital in grade 7 that I remember, and this is probably going to be one of those references that no one gets. I was playing Chemical Heart by Grinspoon. I honestly feel like when I was born, no one else lived then. <laughs> Any time I do a reference, no. Anyway, that was my song. And I remember the week of the recital, the week of the recital, I was stressing about playing that song. And I was really nervous about it. And Miss Lush said to me, she's like, George, while you're playing, just look at me. If you get lost, I'll tell you where you are. If you go out of time, I'll show you the pulse. She's like, and ultimately, I'm the one grading you. So you only really need to do well in terms of what I think is well. So she's like, the whole time you get up there, just look at me. You're pretty much just performing for me. It's only my grade that matters, and I'll keep you in time. And the reality was is that if I played it in such a way that she loved it, essentially everyone else would too, because it means I'm hitting the mark as far as what the teacher thinks. It's exactly like with God. In life, as we go about what we're doing, if we would just look at God look to God. God's saying to us, if you go off track, I'll put you back on track. If you go out of time, I'll put you back in time. And ultimately, I'm the one judging you. So the reality is if if you please me, everyone else is probably going to be pretty happy as well. (laughs) Because no one's standards are higher than God's, yet God is the most gracious and the most helpful and the most loving, an audience of one. You know, I, I was preaching one time a little while ago And I had a friend coming who was not a believer. And I knew a bit about what was going on in his life. And so as I was preparing the message, I couldn't get away from thinking about him the whole time. And I accidentally pretty much crafted a message for him. And so I'm thinking about like, what what does he need to hear about God? And what can I speak life into? And how can I help him break through that? And I was thinking about him the whole time. And, And I was writing notes for the altar call. And I pretty much had his name in the notes. It was like... And, and I was really excited, and I remember even saying to Pastor Spencer, like, I'm really excited, my friend's going to come, I just felt it's a great word for him, and Pastor Spencer like, oh, okay, cool, and he, he was like, a little bit like, oh, it's probably not the best idea, and he was right, because he didn't even come. I, I, <laughs> I prepped something for an audience of one, and the audience didn't rock up. He was a no-show. Um, There's a lot of movies um, that we would all know where someone's getting ready for the big dance or the big speech or the big performance, and they're not happy, like they're up there on stage and everyone's clapping, but they're not happy. And then in walks, sometimes it's a parent or a love interest, and then it's like, they're here. And it's like the whole performance, the whole preparation was for that person to see it. And we should absolutely not do that with people, but we should do that with God that this doesn't mean nearly as much unless it pleases God. This isn't nearly as good unless it's what God has asked me to do. In in the Bible, there's a great story about a, a judge that God raises up in the book of Judges, and his name is Ehud. We know very little about him, but what we know about his contribution to God's people is that he won a great victory completely in private. So the story goes that he... He goes and sees an evil king, which God has asked him to go and put to death to release God's people from his slavery. And the whole battle, the whole fight, the whole victory, no one ever saw. It was pretty much just for an audience of one, or two if you count the guy that he killed. So it was an, an audience of one and a half, because the guy saw half of it. He saw, yeah, saw the sword go in, then he, yeah, anyway. But Ehud had a great victory that no one saw. It wasn't like David's where all of Israel saw it and celebrated him and lifted him up. Ehud had a victory that only God saw. But at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And also we see in Luke chapter 21, the widow who gives an offering to God that no one really knows the story to. She just goes up and Jesus sees it, points it out to the disciples. But she, she believes she's doing it in private, but obviously Jesus saw, but puts the coins in in worship to God. She was under the impression that she was giving with an audience of one. Uh, a great story of integrity is Joseph in the Bible who is a servant in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is in a position of power in Egypt and Joseph is serving there and Potiphar's wife makes the moves on Joseph and essentially says to him, you know, come to bed with me. And again, no one's there for that except the two of them and Joseph runs away. Flees from that situation. He's living with for an audience of one. His integrity, his service to God, his obedience to God mattered to him so much that even when no one else saw, and perhaps no one would find out, he made the right choice. I was reading this week about when David had an opportunity to kill Saul. So David in the Bible, it was prophesied he would be king. He's anointed to be king, but Saul is still the king, and he's an evil man. And David and his army have an opportunity to kill him, where they find Saul in a cave, he's asleep, and David has an opportunity to kill him, but instead cuts off a bit of Saul's robe and, uh, and, and leaves that place. And it, in the Bible, it says that all of David's men were saying to him, surely God has given us this opportunity for you to take him. So even, even his men were saying, go for it, kill Saul. This is God giving you the opportunity. But David wanted to do the right thing, not before his men, but before God. It wasn't about getting the approval of people or go, what do people think? What do you guys think? Should I kill it?" And the crazy thing is, he doesn't kill him. He takes a bit of the robe, and you think, good choice, David. And then David feels bad for cutting off a bit of the robe. Again, he's he's looking for, what does God want from my life? What is obedience in the sight of God? What is good enough in the sight of God, not in my eyes or in people's eyes? Here's what I want us to get this morning, church, is there's things we do because we think no one is watching. There's things we do because we think no one is watching, there are things we do because someone is watching. And there's things we do because of who is watching. And we need to get a revelation that it is God and God alone who sees all, judges all, died for all, because He loves all. i just repeat it. Some of us do things, behaviors. We make choices because we think no one is watching. Sometimes we do things because someone is watching. And sometimes we do things because of who is watching. I want to encourage you this morning that God sees all. And He's not just watching, but He's cheering. He is cheering you on. No one wants you to succeed in life more than God does. No one wants you to live a dynamic, effective, fruitful life more than God does. When When we put Jesus first in our life, when we say, God, I want to live for an audience of one, I just want to live for you, when we receive that, when we we put our faith in Jesus, what's placed on us is the righteousness of Jesus, so that we now are blameless in God's sight. We're now empowered by the Spirit to make blameless choices as best we can. And it's because of Jesus, church, that we have nothing else to prove. We have nothing to prove. We're accepted by God. We're called by God. We're affirmed by God. Knowing that God is the one who watches us is the most affirming thing because His opinion is the most affirming opinion. We need to live for God alone for an audience of one because it's too exhausting trying to please people. Some of you had nine hours sleep last night, but you're exhausted. This is why I think my generation and younger, you find someone who's 42 with a triple, you know, six-digit mortgage Four kids, they run a business, work full-time, and they're more energized than a 19-year-old getting two shifts a week. Why is that? I was that person, I remember being 17, just like I'm so overloaded. I'm just uh, I'm just so cool. You know, here's what it is: we're exhausted because we're in a culture where it's about pleasing people, it's about proving yourself non-stop. You go on your phone, you look at someone's social media you feel bad about yourself, the need to perform turns on, you spend eight hours on the filter, then you don't even post it, then you archive it, then you bring it back, didn't get enough likes so you delete it again. Like, our generation's exhausted because we're, we're living for a large audience of people that we'll never even meet. Sometimes you meet people that have a lot going on, stacks of kids, because <laughs> kids, I'm a new parent, kids is the new thing. Anyway, Sacks of kids, but there's peace in their heart, there's contentment, there's joy, there's security. You're like, what is that? Somewhere along the way, they've got the revelation. I'm just living to please God. What if you did everything as though it was only God who was watching? What if you did everything as though God wasn't just watching, but cheering? What would look different in your life? Some things I know would look different is that peace and joy, and perhaps effort would increase, and what would decrease would be striving and insecurity. I want to encourage you today, church, to make a shift from an everyone way to a someone, or the someone. So make a shift from the everyone way of thinking to a someone way of thinking, the someone. What I mean by that is this, we can think that everyone is looking at us. Um, I remember when I was uh, playing drums at youth and we used to have youth in this building and I would play drums and the drums was in a similar spot to where it is now and for altar call time. So when Pastor Eli, the youth pastor at the time, was preaching, it was getting to the end, we would come up on the stage as a team to play some worship for the altar call time. So I would have to walk from that that, uh, little entrance there to the drum box. It was the most stressful part of my week. The reason that is, is that it was a collision of somebody like myself who likes attention, combined with raging insecurity. So I like attention, so I'm kind of like, I want people to look at me, but then when they do look at me, I'm just, I'm not happy with what they see. And so the two were combined, and here's the crazy thing, I found out after doing this for a few months, no one looked at me, (laughs) absolutely no one. So. Here's the crazy thing. This is what it robbed me from. I loved drums. I loved God. Loved being a part of that team. I was stressed out of my brain every Wednesday because I'm like, I've got to walk across. Are my jeans cuffed? Are my shoes looking good? Do I look fat? Am I going to trip up? What's going to happen? Everyone's looking at me. I want those girls to look at me, but not those ones. I want these boys. It was just nuts. It was nuts. It was not healthy. But here's what it did. I'm coming up to serve God. I'm in, a, I'm in a great opportunity and position to serve God, to bless God, and I'm thinking about me. I've robbed myself of joy. I've robbed my, here's the other thing. I'm not praying for that time because I'm thinking everyone is looking at me. Here's what we do. We go, everyone is judging me. Here's what the truth is. Only God can judge you. God is judging you. Everyone is looking at me. No, God is looking at you. Everybody knows. More importantly, God knows. Here's the other one. I want to be seen and acknowledged by everyone. We need to change that to God sees me and acknowledges me. We do this one as well. This was me. This is why I spent eight hours a day on my MySpace layout. I wanted to be liked by everyone when I just needed to get a revelation that I was loved by someone. I was deeply loved by God. The other thing is, too, everybody's opinion matters to me. No way. God's opinion matters to me. We need to go from everyone's looking at me to God, I know that you're looking at me. Everybody's judging me to God, I know you're the judge of my heart. Would you search my heart? Everybody, (laughs) everybody needs to like me. No, 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 no. God, I find peace in knowing that you love me. Just practically, it's a very healthy thing to do, everybody, to have, I think, just a handful of people in your life whose opinions matter to you. I'm not going to tell you who mine are because you might be upset that you're not on it, but just in case you're not, I'm just saying. (laughs) Just in case. But what I'm saying is this, is that You should have just a handful of people who you go, their opinion in my life really matters. And everybody else, God bless them, but these ones really matter to me. And something practical to do is is some of those are positional for me. So one of the fingers, even though it's just a handful, one of the fingers is any of the pastors in our church. Another one is any of the elders in our church. Um, And then if you have family, you also got to make sure God-honoring family that are going forward in God and care about what they think. If it's people that are away from God in your family, they're going to think what you're doing is nuts. So their opinion's not going to be helpful to you in your faith. But that's a good exercise to do to go, hey, who are the four or five people whose opinion really matters? But even then, their opinion falls under God's. God's is more important. (laughs) If I'm in step with God and His Word, naturally those people will be pleased, most of the time. <laughs> you know, I was saying before that there's things we do because people are watching, and that's an unhealthy motive. And you may have seen this, but there's a pretty big uh, thing on YouTube at the moment where people do nice things for homeless people. Well, wow. <laughs> Let's pray. No, i um, Okay, you might have seen it, on YouTube, there's a, a big thing now of people my age and younger, doing nice things for homeless people, which is brilliant. Like, I think we should all be loving on people, serving people as best we can. It doesn't mean, though, that you need a to plaster your name and everything all over, all over YouTube. Um, what's unhealthy about that is you see people go on there, and they're like, Hey guys, Barry here, we're just going to go and buy lunch for this homeless guy. And it's like, you see the homeless guy for two seconds... He, like, He's almost not treated like he was just like, here's some cash, bro. Bye. And then back to the other guy, like, we just love helping people. And it's like, I think, mate, you might have done this for the views. I don't know. But the way you could prove that to me is by doing it and not uploading it. And you know what I found out? There was this funny guy. Um, it was like a, a suggested one after I watched one of those videos. And the suggestion was this cynical guy just going, this YouTuber gave a homeless man $100. He made 65 grand off the video. And at first I was like, this guy's cynical. But then I was like, it's actually a pretty good thought. Um, and listen, I'm <laughs> all I'm saying is, is we've got to be so careful because that culture is pretty potent. There's a lot of... Um, good aid stuff happening done because we know about we get we hear about it right there's a great scripture about fasting in the bible where it's talking about an act of worship to god by abstaining from food and that we should keep that private and that if we're feeling tired and downcast from it to pep ourselves up the the, the bible says put a bit of oil on your head you know the the current translations bit of moisturizer make yourself look fresh so that people aren't going oh wow are you into a 10-day fast, God bless you. Cuz then you're getting rewarded for something that should be private between you and God. We got to be so careful that we're not doing the right thing because people can see us do it. Who we are really is, is the things that we do when no one is watching. And and knowing that God is watching. You know, there's also things that we do because we think no one is watching. But the reality is is that God, our biggest supporter, our biggest encourager, he is watching. Colossians three verse seventeen says, "Whatever you do, whether in deed or in word, word or indeed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." One Corinthians ten says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God." This has implications on your search for this. has implications on your job. This has implications on your relationships because if we truly take this scripture, we go, everything I do, God, I want to do it for your glory. I want to do it as though I'm doing it for you. If we do that, it changes everything. It changes the decisions we make. It changes those things we do behind closed doors. It changes the things we mutter under our breath that no person will hear, but God will hear. We say, God, because I'm doing everything for your glory, it's going to affect everything that I do. I just want to encourage everybody it's not about obeying God out of fear because someone is watching it's doing your best because someone is cheering God is pleased with us God's not hovering over us waiting for us to make a mistake to then slap us on the wrist he's cheering us on to do the right things when we put our faith in Christ we are made new The Bible says that we're accepted and adopted into His family and that we're called by Him. The righteousness, the goodness, the holiness of Christ is placed on us. If we don't do another thing for Him from that point, He still couldn't love us anymore. Or He couldn't love us anymore. We can't escape the love of God no matter what we do or no matter what we don't do. God is always pleased with us. But don't get it twisted. He's not always pleased with our choices. But God absolutely is pleased with us. Um, Bianca, my wife, and I, we've got a little one year old son, Micah, and we absolutely love him. And there's nothing he could do to change how we feel about him. He's just the absolute best. And he's such a sweet boy. But lately, we've just noticed he's starting to test the boundaries a little bit, as we all do. And when I say test the boundaries, I mean like we'll say something to him 19 times and he'll still maybe do it. Anyway, one of those things is the dishwasher. He loves the dishwasher. And so if I empty the dishwasher, he's slowly edging towards it. He'll start touching where you put the tablet in. And I'll say, Baba, that's not for babies. And he kind of looks up. and I say, he kind of gets this finger. So I'm like, not, not for babies. And he's like, okay. Walks away. I'm thinking we're all good. I keep doing what I'm doing. I look back. He's back there again. And I go back and say, Micah, Baba, the dishwasher, not for babies. And he's like, just looking. So I think he, I'm like, yeah, you got it? He's like, yeah. Walks off. I go back, I turn around, he's sitting in the dishwasher. Now, <laughs> the hardest thing as a parent is not laughing. But um, I just got to encourage him, talk, walk away with him, have a word with him, we, you know, whatever we need to do. But sometimes in life, we're in the dishwasher and God, God's like, all right. Gets down on our level, speaks to us, encourages us, wants to journey with us. He walks with us, helps us. And as you know, the story goes, God, God gets on with what he's doing. We're back in the dishwasher. This time we're, we're midway through a cycle, whatever it is. Sometimes God finds us in the dishwasher, but here's what you need to know. God is always watching. We're, we're in an audience of one, whether you know it or not, but he's not an accuser. He's not a condemner. He's not a punisher. He's what he is. He's a father. He's a supporter. He's a helper. He's our refuge. He's our strength. If you don't rock up for another one of your rosters, he is still pleased with you. Please rock up for it though. But because God is pleased with us, man, I want to live for him. Because I've got God's acceptance, let's flip and go. Cuz God loves me, cuz God's called me, cuz God's accepted me. Let's go. I'm going to be able to walk on from the stage to the drums with my head held high knowing no one's looking at me but God is looking at me and He's got a big smile on His face. It's going to affect my obedience because I, I I don't run around going, everybody's judging me. I know in my heart, God is judging me so I'm going to flip and step it up. When people say only God can judge me, you're like, yeah, do better. <laughs> it's worse than, than what I'm going to say. Guys, God's love, His acceptance, His smile towards us, His cheering us on is the encouragement we need to run the race that God's marked out for us. Knowing that we don't have to exhaust ourselves trying to please others, we can live for an audience of one. Just going, God, I know that you're smiling towards me. Help me to live for you every day of my life. You know, if you're living for an audience of one, here's what you're living for. You're living for an audience who is ever loving, ever faithful, and ever present. You're not going to prepare anything, and then the person doesn't rock up. God is always going to rock up. God is always there. He's always watching, and He's not condemning. He's cheering you on. Thank you so much for
0: joining us online today. Really great to have you with us, and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others